This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm John McLean. I can be reached at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And I'm Brooks Cabina, and you can reach me at B-K-U-B-E-N-A. Brooks, what a great weekend. We got to watch a football, the greatest in history. The divisional round is traditionally the best round every year, and it's certainly lived up to the expectations. Before we talk about the playoffs, let's give the listeners an update on the Texans, where they are, and uh, can you kind of go over the the candidates, you've been writing about them almost every day. You had a really in-depth piece on Sunday. I would recommend to people if they want to know about all these coaches. So and I had a column about Josh McCown and how he would be a great addition to the staff, just not as a head coach. Well, I guess we'll start from the beginning there. They first interviewed two Fridays ago Brian Flores, who Seems to me to be the most most sense out of the candidates they've had so far because Brian Flores has the connection to Nick Casario. They both worked in the personnel department with the Patriots before they both were uh, assistant coaches at a certain time. Nick Casario served as a wide receiver coach for one year, but they know each other really well. Uh, they understand how they work and some of the criticisms that uh, the the uh, the Dolphins had throughout their last few years included. You know, Brian Flores bucking with Chris Gere as a GM, you know, they, since he is familiar with the fundamental philosophy of organizing a roster that they both learned in New England, it would make a little more sense that they didn't understand how to work with each other. And uh, he is, uh, um, you know, he, he would have to be trusted to maximize the talent on this roster after the Dolphins were at 1.1 and 7 and missed the season. So, you know, obviously the Texans have a little more of a talent gap at this point, but uh, they could be familiar with each other and move forward. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about um, their connection uh, last week a little bit. And then Joe Lombardi, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, just finished up his first year there. Uh, this is his second coordinatorship since uh, he was with the Lions, and that didn't really work after he was fired after a few seasons. Uh, it comes from the Sean Payton coaching tree. A lot of West Coast, think West Coast, up tempo, uh, pass first. Uh, really, what the Texans were doing in the second half of their final game, where Davis Mills was doing really well. Um, but if they were to go with Lombardi, it would be interesting um, because they would be moving pretty starkly away from the type of offense that they've been running recently and really a little bit different than what Nick Casero was used to with the Patriots. Uh, and what Joe Lombardi runs with uh, the Chargers. Maybe you saw it um, in your own with how Justin Herbert looked like an MVP caliber quarterback. Um, but some of the pieces across that scheme, um, it, the Texans just don't have right now, namely in a running back like Austin Eckler, who was just an all-around uh, runner, pass catcher. Uh, that's something the Texans are probably going to go look for anyway in the offseason to find a new running back in the offseason, the free agency, draft, whatever. Uh, but it would be um, a change there 
uh, to to look at. And you could maybe keep some consistency on the defensive side by maybe holding on Levy Smith or such. Uh, but that's what they went through there. Then they interviewed Heinz Ward, obviously a respected name in the football circles, a, a, a future Hall of Famer, perhaps a wide receiver, um, a longtime Steelers player, won a Super Bowl with them. But uh, he, he has very little um, coaching experience at all. Uh, he was the, um, he, he served as a coaching intern with the Steelers and, uh, in the training camp in 2017 was an offense assistant a little bit with the jets. Uh, and, and then at, at least was assistant head coach, uh, assistant to the head coach and a wide receivers coach with Florida Atlantic last year. Uh, but we, we really haven't yet seen him command, um, one side of the football hasn't been a coordinator yet. Hasn't been a head coach, obviously, uh, but a lot of his deep ties to the NFL could make that thing a little bit interesting. But it would also mean the Texans would have a hard time rationalizing why they got rid of David Culley after a year because all the things that Heinz Ward would be able to maximize were things that David Culley had in 42 years of assistant head coaching, I mean, assistant coaching uh, in the college and NFL ranks. Um, And then, uh, you know, they had Jonathan Gannon in for an interview. Um, he spent one year uh, right now in his first time as a defensive coordinator uh, with the Eagles in one year. Uh, he's he's an interesting uh, candidate uh, who's recently been pretty reputable amongst his coaching circles. Um, comes from, you know, a, a, a kind of a 4-3 scheme, which would be making sense in some ways that the Texans were looking to be uh, have a, have an easy transition from last year to this. They have a lot of personnel that's there already. Um, you think of a guy like Jonathan Grenard, who can be a core player at defensive end it, when he struggled a little bit as a 3-4 outside linebacker, and they'd probably go into that scheme if they hired Brian Flores, who ran that scheme with the Dolphins. Uh, but you also got guys like Kamu Grazia Hill, who Kamu Grazia Hill, who played well um, as a four-three linebacker and led the team in tackles, but I don't I don't know if Nick Casario and them uh, and the people making this decision would be re- really trying to stick to a, a, a scheme or be beholden to that when there are, really were a lot of problems within the defense. Still, they couldn't run, uh, stop the run. They couldn't do those things. So I don't think they would uh, keep themselves to that kind of thing when thinking about a long-term future. But uh, Jonathan Gannon uh, certainly somebody who has some experience, and I know it's just one time, one year as defensive coordinator, but I think it was notable that Nick Casario said and pointed out whenever he was uh, explaining the day after firing Cully that uh, he brought up Mike Tomlin, who had only been a coordinator for one year um, with the Vikings before the Steelers hired him, and um, obviously it's a different transition from Bill Cowher, a Super Bowl winning team and a Super Bowl roster handed off to Tomlin, and then they had their two Super Bowl runs, winning one. It would be much different uh, with what the Texans have right now. And then Josh McCown got his interview. And uh, last year, uh, the Texans were railed for it. They were railed for it again here because he has not been a coach in the NFL or the college. Um, He's obviously had a long career as a quarterback in the NFL, um, but uh, he has yet to show what his schemes would be, what how he would lead a team. Uh, he's got some respect within the Texans from his time with the team in the 2020. Um, but all the reasons that Heinz Ward would be a huge risk for Nick Casario to put his career on the line for to hire, Josh McCown would just multiply that by two. You know, it, just because he 
has not been there yet, has not had anything proven. And um, when you're on a six-year contract, you just fired a guy after one year uh, and David Culley, it would, it, this would be really sticking his neck out on the line for that one. Well, the big reason that Josh McCown is a candidate is Jack Easterby, the executive VP of football ops. I was told in 2020 that uh, they had bonded over the fellowship of Christian athletes. They're both devout Christians. And, and I was told by two players and other members of the organization, you watch Easterby is going to try to get him out as a head coach. So, um, he was interviewed and then they, and he wanted to retire and go watch. I don't know if it was one son or two, uh, uh, and watch them this season. And they offered him a job as associate head coach. And he said, no, because he wanted to take a year off. Now they've interviewed him again. You know, what's the point? What's changed with him? To me, why interview him a second time? Gasario interviewed him with Easterby the first time. They interviewed him again. And I think he would be a tremendous addition to the offensive staff based on everything I've been told by people with his 12 teams. Everybody loves Josh McCown. think he's going to make a tremendous coach. They said he would have been a tremendous analyst for ESPN where he briefly accepted a job before he went back to play with the Eagles. The Eagles offered him a coaching job. And so I think he'd be great to hire him. I just can't imagine they would hire him as a head coach. But if they do, then that means Jack Easterby got his man. But Casario has final say, and he would be the one, uh, well, Easterby would too, recommending him to the McNair family. And I think that they want to keep Lovey in the system. They don't want to have to change the players in the front seven again after Casario went to so much trouble uh, to, to get the players that Lovey Smith wanted. But I'm still surprised they have not reached out to Drive Mayo. If they have, we don't know about it, and I'm guessing they have not. I thought for sure he would get interviewed because I know he and Easterby are really tight. And the one I can't figure out, Brooks, Brian Flores would be the best hire. They say he's going to have other options. And if he doesn't want to be a head coach for the second time, and a lot of them don't get third chances, and he doesn't want to come be with a guy he worked with with 15 years, and he worked with Jack like four four years, I think. You know, what does that say about Casario and Easterby? But we don't even know if he's going to be offered the job. If he's not, what would that say about him with people who know him very well? So I have no idea on a timetable. Do you? No. Uh, Nick Casario said that he would be patient about it, and they, were, they offered no timeline. And generally, these kind of hires happen uh, towards the end of January going into February. So we've reached the last week of January here. That's when David Culley was hired a year ago. Um, so that just offers kind of a, a in, an in-general um, timeline there. So it would seem like after – Going through another week of this, they'd probably start going back and referencing the people they have interviewed already. Um, I mean, from your years, how often does it, how long does it usually take for people to hire a coach? Usually coaches, a lot of them have already been hired at this point. Last year, Cully was last at the end of January. And uh, I think teams are interviewing more people. They have to satisfy the Rooney rule in which they, they, Interviewed two minorities. One in per, has to be in person. Both of them could be in person if they wanted to, but one could be a Zoom. 
So they will narrow the list as they did last year, and then they'll bring in the candidates and they'll meet with the McNairs, probably at the McNairs' house before Casario and Easterby make their final recommendation to the McNairs. Last year it came down to David Culley and Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of the Bills. And any coach that comes there is going to have to realize, you know, Nick Casario's going to hire most of the coaches. And they got to know about how Nick is at practice and on game days, and you got to agree to that. Most first-time head coaches would agree to that. Brian Flores is accustomed to that because that's what Casario did in New England. And I know fans right now, other than Flores, have not been fired up about anybody. If they wanted to make the popular choice around the NFL, they would hire Flores if he would take the job. And right now, nobody has any idea of all the teams that need GMs. Only one, the Giants, have hired one. And so that most teams are interviewing head coaching candidates before they get the GM, which is backward. They should hire that GM and let him make the decision. Texans did that last year, interviewed coaches, and then let Casario start over. So hopefully they'll get it done. If not, I'm guessing maybe sometime next week after they bring the guys in and either a first-timer or they bring them in uh, to meet in person and make the decision among the finalists. Do you have somebody you would like to see them hired? I do think Brian Flores makes the most sense to me uh, just because of how much he would be familiar with what Casario is trying to build um, with the Texans. And he's also um, tight with Jack Easterby. So like, it's really one of those situations where you feel like that would work the best. Um, I think it's interesting how you said it would be his second head coaching chance and whether he's weighing that. Uh, I guess you, you, you think that if they join there and it didn't work out, then maybe that whole kind of there's a lot at risk there, right? So Nick Casario um, going in for his guy, and it, it looks like all of it makes sense. And if it doesn't, then it'd be really hard for some others to make a case for why that didn't work. You were given all these picks, you're given this opportunity, then it still didn't work. You'd have to really reassess. So it, there's some risk involved there. But I mean, I just feel like that's the most the one that makes the most sense right now. I think there are a couple of candidates that I'm um, a little confused that didn't get a look a guy like D'Amico Ryans who had a heck of a weekend uh, with the 49ers and the 49ers are really uh, going deep into the playoffs because of defense right now and his connection to the Texans makes sense for at least an interview but um, I, of the guys that they've um, looked at so far I think Joe Lombardi would be interesting but you know that's going in and you'd have to make um, a, some commitment there on offense so you know, Brian Flores coming in, you'd have to figure out what you do offensively too. But I mean, if you're already interviewing Josh McCown, maybe he comes in as an offensive coordinator. That would still be a huge jump for what his, his situation is, but you can, you can maybe make that work in, in the system that you, that you set up. So like, if you, if you were going there, I mean, with the people that they have a, a Flores McCown deal, I think makes sense to me. Um, but other than that, uh, what they have there, I think, that's probably what makes most sense. Well, I agree with you on Flores, and I'm guessing that Josh McCown's going to be in this organization in some fashion. And then, of course, what happens with Pep Hamilton? Does he stay as the quarterback coach, passing game coordinator? Does he become the offensive coordinator? And McCown, the quarterback coach? Very intriguing possibilities. Now let's move on to the games over the weekend. All decided on the last play, three road teams, and and the Chiefs, obviously the best one, uh, 
of four great games was the Chiefs and the Bills. When you think now that you've slept on it, Brooks, and you watch that game, what are your initial thoughts about how it ended? I was arguing a little bit with people on Twitter last night about this, but I, I still feel like we got taken away from a, just a great game in the sense that Josh Allen should have been able to get the ball again. And I know with, okay, so 13 seconds left, why don't the Bills squib kick? There, I've heard that argument a bunch of times, but with that, if the if the Chiefs field the ball and just take a knee, that only takes a second off the clock, and they probably have better field position. So I don't see how that's really a full argument. Um, but yeah, the defense has to play good uh, in order to win a game. But you can't say that the Chiefs weren't playing bad defense either. I mean, if Josh Allen had been given the football in overtime, he'd have been able to probably to go down and win the game. So I, I just I, I felt like the back and forth was just insane towards the end. Then you go into overtime, and I immediately felt the dread of what might be happening. You knew as soon as one of them got the ball, nobody's defense was playing well, and the Chiefs win. Instant classic. But, I mean, from my experience, I, I was covering LSU in 2018 whenever they played Texas A&M at Kyle Field. It was a back-and-forth game. They go into overtime. It goes to seven overtimes, and it was too long. And people – Joe Burrow went – into the locker room and collapsed and needed to be hooked up to IVs. And that was a safety thing. And then they went into the offseason and said, all right, we need to adopt these rules. And that's why college football overtime rules have been amended is that game. And it takes a game with immense, immense platform and, uh, you know, a, a lot of people watching, a lot of people pushing afterward and, and high stakes. And that one had a lot of it. And, I, I mean, it's funny. The Chiefs a couple of years ago uh, were the ones that were – hitting overtime by the Patriots, and Andy Reid came out afterward and pushed to try and change the overtime rules so that uh, both teams get a chance to touch the football. Uh, but now I feel like the Bills have a case. I mean, it's just I, I don't I don't see how we got the best result out of that. It's like playing a full game and then you sell it by playing darts. And I just I, I felt like we got taken away from a great game, even though it was still a great game. Uh, but overall, Watching the whole weekend, those look like the two best teams. It almost looked like we watched the Super Bowl in the divisional round. Sudden death. It will be debated all through the offseason when the competition committee meets before the league meetings in March. That'll get kicked around a lot. It has been before. One team wins and isn't able to touch the ball. It seems unfair. There's a well-played defense. But it's a strong argument that both teams She'd be able to touch the ball in the playoffs no matter what happens on the first series. It was a great a great game by Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and we wanted to see more of it. One thing I took away from this weekend, Brooks, was all this hand-wringing over Aaron Rodgers. Nobody usually will say after a game, yeah, I'll be back, especially when you're old. I expect Rodgers back with the Packers. He's under contract. People act like he can just walk away whenever he wants. No, he can't. He could be a free agent in 2023. I'm guessing he'll get an extension. And I can't imagine Tom Brady after the great regular season he had, and he'll finish second in the MVP voting to Rodgers, that he would walk away after a game like that. So I expect him back. But if they did walk away, they've sure left the NFL in good hands with quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who we're going to be able to to watch for years. What was your what were some of your takeaways from the other games? Well, I thought it was interesting to see 
the the Buccaneers and Rams um, because we we saw the Rams play the Texans and they were winning thirty eight nothing going to the fourth quarter and then they made moves to boost their pass rush. I mean that's one of the things that I feel like watching Tom Brady over the years that was that was what got him whenever the Giants won uh, and two Super Bowls against the Patriots at the time. If you get pressure with four. That's how you stop Brady, and it just seems like that's 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 what they were able to do. Obviously, they were down a tackle, and um, it was smart of McVay to put uh, Aaron Donald out, out the outside and have him go after him in that way. So seeing that, the Rams look like a contender at this point, but you're going to see two defensive-oriented uh, teams going at it in the NFC title game uh, with them against the 49ers. I, I think the Rams' offense is better. Clearly, so I think I think we will see them again in the Super Bowl. Um, but man, I, I I loved watching the Bengals play because watching last year, how in uh, the year before where they were just a dreadful team without Joe Bro. You add him, and then he goes out, and the whole offseason people are talking about how they needed an offensive tackle, needed an offensive line. And then they draft Jamar Chase, and it looks like the smartest decision ever. And now they're in the AFC title game. You talk about turnarounds, and I think people looking at the Texans are like, how long will it be until they'll be a contender? The Bengals did that in record time, it, it, it seems. And I, I just, I was curious, John, myself, what's the quickest turnaround for a franchise to go to a Super Bowl? The Bengals have a chance to do that here. Would that be unprecedented? I remember when the Rams were 4-12 and 12 and then uh, their starting quarterback got hurt the next year, Trent Green. They stuck in this guy who used to work in a grocery store, Kurt Warner, and they won a Super Bowl. So I had 4-12 to a Super Bowl. That was the biggest that I could remember in one season because Rams, I can't even remember. They, were, they thought they were going to be good with uh, Trent Green and young players they had, but it didn't work out. And uh, – the Rams have gone all in on the Super Bowl this year more than any team I've ever seen. It's they get to play the AFC championship. I mean, they get to play the NFC championship game at home, and if they beat the Niners, and the Niners have dominated them, then they're going to the Super Bowl also at their home stadium. That would be amazing, Brooks. No Super Bowl in your home stadium until the Bucks did it last year. The Rams could do it this year. It could be back to back. So I'm loving the game. Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford going up against the 49ers who have dominated the Niners. I mean, who have dominated the Rams. He can't take the blame for that. But I can't wait for the games this weekend to see who's going to the Super Bowl. Thank you very much for listening. I'm John McClain. You can reach me at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And I'm Brooks Cabina, and you can find me at BKUBENA. Brooks, I don't know if my old heart can take it if we have two games like the four we just have, but I can't wait.